Welcome to Furcast, episode 390. Now with new Faraday technology. <laughs> TM. TM. I'm your host, Paradox Red Wolf. I'm your fabulous Blue Fox host, Faro. And you're, I'm your Taiki Mariski. Okay, so we're trying to set up for the show, and Mariski shows up out of nowhere making a Faraday cage for some reason. Out of, out of tin foil, and then probably copper when you buy copper. Why are you doing this? Well, um... So I have this small version of Faraday cage in my wallet. I got the wallet before, like, a tap and RFID chips were a thing, you know. It's, it's an old wallet from 2002. Nobody worried about, like, taps and any Wi-Fi even. Yeah. And my dad gave it to me. And it's like, oh, okay. So every time I get a card from a bank or, like, a DMV, I'll get, like, a little sleeve that says, oh, this will protect you from RFID scanning from, like, some hackers. It's like, okay, but I don't want to keep all the cards in this little sleeve in my wallet. Why don't I make a Faraday cage for my wallet? So I just made a smaller version of this and put it in my wallet. And it actually works. Okay. I actually have to take out my card, like like a Presto card, if I want to use it. I have to, yeah. have to take, a, take the card out because otherwise it won't work. And I thought, okay, well, I wonder if I can make a bigger version of this and put my cell phone in it. Why? Or iPad. I don't know, because, like, who knows if I want to just kill my cell phone. I know I could just turn it off, but... Yeah, I was going to say, you could just... Anyway. Well, you're, or, you're Or if, if solar flare is a thing, I don't no, think this will block no, it. No, no. It doesn't help. I mean, yeah. if, if there's something that's going to blow up the radio, something's going to blow up the radio. But, anyway. You know, you'd have to, like, drive further away with it in that to not know where the phone was, right? Yeah. Because it... you already pinged this tower here. Yeah. Also, you're not a libertarian. Why are you acting like one? <laughs> you're acting like a Trump supporter. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> hey, I was the one who was taking photos of Trump supporter to see what kind of, what kind of things they were up to I told to you today. to be careful because you were a gay Asian Canadian. <laughs> like... Roaming into Trump territory. Yeah, I felt like, you know how National Geographic's, if, if you watch National Geographic's it, and if like a photographer is like going toward like a dangerous animal or like dangerous tribe, they were, they, and I was like, I'm going into a dangerous hostile territory full of this tribe and we might get killed. Who knows? But, and I felt like that kind of photographer is like, oh, if I step any closer, they either will shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, plowing with their fire truck. They rented out a fire truck. Yeah, it was weird. They and like also a... a military truck. Yeah. We're getting close to the election in the States, so there's a lot of, like, signs everywhere and people making a big deal out of it. So, as they should. Uh, by the way, vote, if uh, especially if you live in the States. Um, shout out to New Zealand that just had their election as well. It was a and... landslide victory for mm-hmm. their... Prime Minister is doing a very good job handling COVID, unlike our country. And Canadians have mm. uh, vote uh, provincial MPP votes Protect coming up on uh, October 26th. Protect your protogens with a Faraday blanket. <laughs> Protect your protogens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we, before in the pre-show, we went on Amazon and we were looking up, like, you can get, like, Faraday cages for your Wi-Fi router for some reason, and you can get, like, Faraday, like, blankets to sleep in at night. So you're not exposed to harmful RF's radiation yeah, while by the you way, sleep. Don't put tinfoil in your head. It actually exposes you to more RF radiation because it 
it's a parabolic dish, and then it just it depends on which reflects. way you do it. If you turn it the other way, oh, I just... have it like a receiving, like but <laughs> yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, welcome to Furcast episode three hundred and ninety. Uh, Furcast this episode, Furcast live, sponsored by TwinTailCreations.com. Check them out at TwinTailCreations.com. We'll talk about them more later in the show, and we have coupon codes. You can get twenty percent off their adult silicone products. Just take one of those dog like neuter things and then coat it with tinfoil. So like then you'd have like a dish that's like and you'd hear everything. Okay, now I'm just imagining a dog with like a like a GPS tracking collar. Yeah. Like ripping apart like tinfoil and then yeah. like stuffing it down the collar, trying to like stop it from That's also a kink, by the way. I know a lot of furries who are into GPS tracking collars. Or like you can fight RF with RF. You can just you you have like a bunch of radio transmission uh, mission antennas around your head, and you just send out can like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a directional signal that cancels out incoming signal. Okay, you mean like a jamming? Not jamming, but like you know how you can cancel out RF signal that comes to you by sending opposite and equal signal sure, I toward guess. the. Like signal. noise canceling, it's still, like, it's still yeah, sort, sort of like noise canceling. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're jamming it, but you're canceling it, thus making the RF signal that is incoming towards your head a zero. Okay. Anyway, so all the jammer does is it like sends out reverse wave signals. No, not necessarily. It can just spam it with enough signal to noise yeah. ratio that it, it, you know, as long as you upset it enough. But Cause um, as, as long as you create enough packet loss, then it will work, wouldn't it? Anyway. <laughs> Our Patreon shoutouts were updated, so we've got uh, those coming on Wasn't later. Was the, the guy that did that on the like the California Thruway where everyone was talking their stones? He got pissed, so he oh. put a huge jammer in it. Yeah, yeah. that's very and, illegal. Yeah, and as he would drive down, it would literally knock out all the radio towers as he was driving, so no one around him could be on their cell phones because they would lose reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy jammers that do that. They're illegal to import in most like westernized places of the world and they're because they take out police yeah they, they take out everything that's yeah they take out all communication right um and also uh we're hoping to do some fun shows for halloween i'm gonna have uh, fnt which is our music podcast for halloween uh and we're hoping to do some other stuff um just an update i am moving uh at some point either at the end of this month while maruski and i are both moving um and so we're not 100 sure how because we we're still looking for a place right now, so um, depending on when we get approved to move into our new place, um, we might put the show on hiatus for like a couple weeks or like a month or two um, while Maruski and I are busy moving all of our stuff, and then uh, we'll try to keep you guys posted on that. But we should at least have shows at least up to Halloween, and we're going to try to do like a fun, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll play video games or something with you guys. And that's it for the intro. Um, do we have um, anything else to mention before we jump into Roundup? Um. Mm, no. <laughs> nope. Yeah, not much going on. Just you know, worldly chaos still. So. Yeah. Worldly chaos. But uh, all right. Well, cool. Maybe for F and T, we'll get like another fursuiter or two over here. We'll figure out some way to at least have. I don't know. We'll do. We'll try to do something fun. Her. Spooky, yeah, spooky. It'll be it'll be the spooky season. Anyway, all right, let's jump into the uh, roundup. Just stream the show on Omegle. <laughs> on Omegle, Omegle. Yeah. 
Oh, you mean that like webcam? Yeah. Like yeah. random person website? Maybe. It might be fun. All right. Welcome to the Roundup. The Roundup is a segment where we throw a bunch of links at you that you can check out on your own after the show. This is our rapid fire news segment, and we'll jump right in with our first story from New York Post. Tiger walks 800 miles in search of sex. You know, Maruski, I don't think you have to walk that far. Okay, but I've I've gone through terrible miles. environments to find sex. So did he get it? <laughs> yes. Like not you. Did the tiger get it? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Wild cat will do anything for love. Yeah, I, I know that. Heart thing tiger will walk 800 miles. Um, let's see. Forty-three-year-old dubbed the C1 by scientists. Embarked on this search. In runner just 808 miles. Um, so did he fuck? Uh, did he get laid? Unknown if someone succeeded in catcalling. Aww. Aww. However, he did kill many pigs and cattle during his trek. <laughs> I need sex. Ugh, punches a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking horny. Don't wow. you squeal at me. So there you go. So he didn't get it. He walked 800 miles and he still didn't get it. Yeah. How does that make you feel, Maruski? I feel really bad for that guy. I've done a similar thing in the middle of like... He walked 800 miles. A similar thing. (laughs) Well, not 800 miles, but in the middle of February, I was horny and I I didn't get late for like two months. I was like, okay, I'm going to downtown Toronto to go to Howl, a a furry a furry bar that happens like once every other month in yeah. Toronto. Well, before pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah, pre-COVID. And I didn't have a car back then. So I had to take a train from my parents' place. So I had to take a bus. I had to wait outside for like 20 minutes to get uh, catch a bus that goes to a train station. And I had to wait at the train station for like 20 minutes outside waiting for the train and I got on the train and I I arrived in downtown Toronto and I walked another like 30 minutes to get to the furry bar and I met a guy, we had fun and I ended up going into his place but it was also like 40 minute walk on top of 20 minute bus ride and then... Yours isn't similar, you got something. Yeah, I got something but you know, in total I walked like 3 hours in minus 20 degrees. (laughs) Well, he walked 5 months. (laughs) Okay, I give him points for that. Tiger points. Yeah, give is, him. Is that, you give him. You give him stripe. Stripe points. Yeah, fibs. He earned his stripes. He earned his stripes. I don't know if I did. Wow. <laughs> All right. Next in the roundup, uh, a system of robot drug dealers on Telegram allow people to buy illegal products for Bitcoin. Uh, with Bitcoin or for Bitcoin? With, with Bitcoin, I guess. Um, and by the way, this is on Bitcoin.com. I'm sorry. I, Bitcoin. Crypto. Crypto. Now we're going to get followed by bots. My friends and I, really quick aside, my friends and I uh, on my Discord server, we want to start a podcast called Blockchain Plus. And it'll be all this like hip like startup culture shit, but it'll be completely meaningless. <laughs> It'll just be all buzzwords the whole time. Like, oh, you know, we're going to synchronize all stuff with blockchain technology. And then we're going to be like, well, here's an expert on blockchain technology. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, blockchain can really, you know, make your markets go. I don't, it would just be complete bullshit for like five minutes. Anyway, 
As annoying as Bitcoin is, this is an interesting article. Uh, system of robot drug dealers on Telegram allow people to buy illegal products. And look at this. You guys know bots on Telegram, right? How they have like menus and stuff. <laughs> Straight up. How like, do you buy buy a pound? Like products. Choose category product. Cocaine, MDMA, weed. <laughs> and just one English pound. Oh, see, they have a PGP key. See, they, they know what they're doing. You know, they got their, they got a little bit of their security. Like, what the fuck? Let's look at this next screenshot. God, this is so weird. We are posting worldwide. God, that's so weird. Like, uh, everybody used to say Telegram is either terrorists or furries, and now we're learning that it's either drugs or terrorists or furries. It's kind of amazing. But yeah, there, there's apparently a whole system of, uh, yeah. I want an API for that. There's a new avenue, Darknet Market, DNM. <laughs> DNM, Darknet Market. Customers have found that allows them to purchase illegal wares 24 hours a day via a robot drug dealer hosted on Telegram. The platform dubbed Televend is an automated software program that peddles illicit narcotics for people paying with Bitcoin. And during the last few months, the complex system has grown massively. Huh. Well, you know, with COVID, it's safer now to get your drugs online. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you can't just meet drug dealers in the street. You might spread COVID. Everyone's got to adapt. <laughs> drug dealers are taking a big hit. <laughs> they had more, just like our restaurants, they didn't have enough in-person customers. <laughs> And next in the roundup, stickers are coming to Discord. Except they have paid stickers and you cannot design your own. So. Pay to win. Stickers are available. Why is it just Canadian friends? I, I don't know. We don't want your damn paid sticker. Can we make custom stickers? Unfortunately, not at this time. However... You would be an awesome suggestion to add to our team over here. It's going to be as terrible as your t default Telegram stickers. Yeah, they're like slightly animated little GIF things. I mean... Um, hey, what's yeah. The, what's the Woody thing? Go down. <laughs> Wait, click that. The picture. Just... Oh, it's just that. There's people complaining about Discord service. Yeah, people keep asking us if we're ever going to make a Discord chat, but like, I found that it, there's just... the It doesn't scale quite the same way that Telegram does in terms of like moderation teaming and and like how it handles like notifications and everything on mobile. It's just not... like I mean, Discord's great. Like I use it all the time, but it's just... I don't know if it really scales to 500 people quite the same way as Telegram does, but I'm sure people will reach out and argue us. Although none of our moderators really use it all that much so that's part of the issue too but yeah anyway uh next in the roundup shout out to ninji highly recommend following ninji ninji also has a great after dark twitter by the way uh but on ninji's normal twitter uh great shit post uh and it has started getting picked up outside the furry fandom it's up to uh, a little over five thousand likes um and it says presenting the world's first html5 accelerator card for high speed web browsing now for those who... I'll get rid of our graphic in the corner there. Um, for those who don't quite get this joke, back in the day, 
you used to put accelerator cards in your computer, uh, you know, when you had all the mega computers and stuff. So, like, if you wanted your computer to be better at game physics, you would get a game physics card for your computer. Uh, and there were cards for, like, all kinds of different tools and tasks and things. Um, and so this is a joke uh, about the fact that a lot of programs don't run native code anymore. They run web code. So, for instance, Discord on your computer, the program, is literally a web browser. It is, it's, it's like a tiny, like, Chrome browser, but on your computer. And all of it is programmed with, effectively, web code, with a little bit of code on top of it to make it work with, like, you know, your audio devices and stuff like that. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of programs today are very clunky and kind of slow and take a long time to start, even though we've got computers that are, like, more powerful than, you know, tons of supercomputers used to be. Uh... And so there's some great things on here. Dual garbage collections for jank-free scrolling. Facebook news feed FPS increased. <laughs> there's bar there, low-voltage SVG rasterizer. Uh, there's some good shit in here. Security Dad TPM cryptographically signs your web requests so you never have to complete a CAPTCHA again. Uh, good shit post. Quality. Ninji does those all the time. So, shout out to Ninji's Twitter. Highly recommend following that. Next, uh, Ash put out a tweet that um, the fandom film is uh, going to be in the Colorado uh, Film Festival. Or, sorry, I should say the Denver Film Festival. Uh, at Denver Film on Twitter is the link. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Hopefully get some recognition that they really need. I know that, you know, the pandemic is really screwed over a lot of film festivals and movie theaters and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, I feel really bad because they put out a great film right when that whole thing was going on. Um, and that's part of the reason they decided to release the fandom for free the way that they did. Um, and of course, if you do want to support the fandom, uh, you can buy their Blu-ray and you can also buy a digital download. Uh, I think <coughs> the digital download has a higher margin to them. I think. I don't remember. It's either the Blu-ray or the digital download, but one of them, they get slightly more for when you spend the money on it. Like, more of the money goes to them, and I, I forget which one it is, but I'm sure if you ask, they would tell you. Um, but either way, highly recommend supporting the fandom and getting uh, the full version of it. Next, critically endangered Red Wolf. You guys know how I joke, or I have joked in the past, that there are are more red wolf furries than there are actual red wolves? There are now seven red wolves known left in the wild. That's terrible. Yeah. Now, of course, there are more red wolves in captivity. I believe there's uh, there's like 40 or 50 at one site, and then there's like another 20 or 30 at another site, and then there's another... Start, start having sex more. Yeah, we really... Like, you gotta start building up your population there. <sighs> yeah. Red Wolf population. Paradox, timeline. stop being gay. Oh, here, here's our timeline. See, we were fucking a bunch back in like 2002, 2004. <laughs> then terrorism happened. Yeah, and then, yeah, we don't fuck anymore. Um, and of course, there's a whole bunch of reasons for it, obviously. Um, not just one thing, but um, yeah. So I hope you guys get the joke now that I, I'm pretty sure there's probably more Red Wolf furries than there are actual Red Wolves. It's very sad. You're going to be an extinct species. Yeah. That means you'll be rare and worth more. <sighs> Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for that. 
Anyway, uh, last in the roundup, uh, shout out to Fernal Equinox, or more specifically, I should say, Anthropomorphic Events of Ontario. They hosted a open form video um, today. It was a live stream about an hour and a half long, or, well, a little bit less, because I think it took them about 15 minutes to get started here. But uh, Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Hello, hello. Hey, I see faces. That's there awesome. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time to meet with us this afternoon for our Fernal Equinox um, and AEO Open Forum. Uh, we hope that all of you are keeping well and staying safe uh, throughout the last several months. Um, it's obviously been a very interesting several months mm -hmm. for uh, all of us at this point in different ways. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we do hope that you're keeping safe nonetheless. Uh, so they went on to talk about their plans for how to handle stuff. And it's interesting. Um, they're still in negotiations with their hotel over how that's going to go. Uh, they kind of mentioned that, you know, even though they don't put on the event, they still have expenses, they still have contracts, they still have, you know, they got to pay for website hosting, and they got to pay for insurance, and they got to pay for their accountants and everything else. Um, so it's, you know, it, it was interesting, um, them kind of talking about like what they've been trying to do to kind of cope with it. Uh, luckily, they do seem to be fairly okay. Um, they did mention they're going to try to do some virtual events, um, and they're going to try to host some other stuff. And um, they've, at the moment, delayed registration for Fernal Equinox until, I believe, I want to say January or February, um, just because they're not quite sure what to do about it. So, yeah, it's complicated. Um, but it's an interesting video if you want to learn more about kind of what goes into that. And they also answered some kind of audience questions about it as well. So, recommend checking that out if you're interested in uh, convention running details. I personally think we won't be going to any cons until... 2022. 2020. Two. I would say late 2021. Here, here's what I predict. Late 2021, there's probably going to be some small meets. And those meets are going to get a lot of criticism by people yeah. because they're going to be going on. And then there's going to be a lot of people who go and then get criticism for going. And I would assume that'll be like a big drama fest. Yeah. Uh, and then very slowly, events will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, but I but think... I don't think MFF would yeah. be able to happen even late 2021 no i don't think so i think we'll get to the point where like you know if you want to have like a furry summer picnic or whatever you can do that yeah but you won't be able to have you know ten thousand people in a hotel yeah yeah i think that's kind of the point we're gonna get to yeah. eventually you're looking until like june till you normal people can start getting a vaccine yeah if that is June supposed to be the day where vaccines come out, or is it? No, that's just me estimating, like basically, on timelines because mm. they will probably come out, but they're not going to be prevalent enough for production. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a strange new year. Oh yeah, we have to celebrate New Year's in two months. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully, I mean, 2021 will be... This year's been long. <laughs> it went by fast. Some portion went by fast. I, yeah, I, um, I doubt it. But... It went by fast for some people. It went yeah. by really slow. I think it's been like 10 people. years. I, I think we've also lost our sense of time now. Yeah. I, I think I think one way or another. I feel, I feel like some things are going really fast and other things are going really slow. Yeah. 
It's like kind of because, like, if I look back at some events or photos that happened like earlier this year, it feels like, oh wow, it feels like forever ago. But I think we've just all turned off our heads and just like we're just gonna we're just gonna coast, not using any energy. We're just gonna coast on everything. Well, we still got another two years before twenty twenty one. So, yep, two years. Yeah. Two more years. Yeah, we got. So what is it right now? It's uh, so October. today's October seventeenth, right? Yeah. So we still have November and December. Two years. Yeah. yeah. So that's two whole years, pretty much, and, and a little more. It's about yeah. two and two and a half. Actually, two and a half years left. Yeah. Of this year. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half. Twenty uh, twenties. Yeah. I wonder what next month's edition is going to be. Oh yeah, it's the election. So that's that's. Ah. Uh, oh yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it might go well, but it also might go disastrously wrong. It is 2020. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, it'll be it'll be next 2020, not this 2020. I mean, all of the global superpowers have like drama. A drama, not dra- yeah, drama, but like all of their president or prime minister equivalents have been holding on to their power longer than they should have. Russia, China, um, some a lot of places in East Southeast Asia. Well, I mean, Trump hasn't. Has, I mean, he said he's gonna put up a hissy fit, but he hasn't done it yet. We don't know yet. Yeah. But, but you know, America's a, a remaining superpower. Well, we get, you just got a million COVID cases in the past week, so yeah, oh, yeah, we're positively, we're going for shooting that for that number one slot again. Oh yeah, we fell behind a little bit, you know. <laughs> got to catch back up. Catch back up to number one. Is there anything else we should talk about? I don't know. <laughs> what a shitty year for everyone. It, ha- it has been a very rough, rough year. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little uh, little skit of Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> it's like, oh, school shooting happened. Thoughts and prayers. And moving on. <laughs> and then, like, they just ignore it. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, at this point, um, we'll read some some funny news stuff, and then we'll go on break. Okay. You finished all your. Uh... Yep. Roundups all set. Let me grab a pen quickly. All right. My iPad pen. Okay. And Faye, I will let you uh jump into news. Are you ready now? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Lemurs stolen from San Francisco Zoo, police say. The lemur was stolen. Lemur was on the loose. Which one of you was kidnapped? Maki. <laughs> Maki, 21, is a ringtail lemur who has gone missing in what appears to be burglary. 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 Burg- wow, I can't even talk today. Burglary. It appears to be a burger. Appears to be a burger. Someone ate it. An endangered lemur has been stolen from the San Francisco Zoo Gardens, according to police. The San Francisco Police Department issued a press release about the missing mammal 
and state that the male uh, male ring-tailed lemur named Maki appeared to have been illegally taken from his habitat on Tuesday night. I love how the next article in this, though, is cops search for two alligators stolen from pet store in Pennsylvania. Wait, what? There's a... There's like a link there's article. There's alligators at a... What? I don't know why there's even alligators in Pennsylvania. Or at a pet store. Police responded to the zoo's call on Wednesday, October 14th, around 9.40 a.m. I hope they have a picture of the missing lemur. <laughs> like missing, wanted. <laughs> missing lemur. If found, please call blah. We'll respond to certain names. Someone already made a police sketch with it and it had like, glasses on. <laughs> stolen Maki the stolen lever. Maki is an endangered animal and requires specialized care. Responded, please dial 911 and be prepared to provide as much detail as possible. <laughs> that sounds threatening. So, be prepared to provide as much detail as possible. Seven species of lemur kept in the zoo in Slipman Family Lemur Forest, according to the resources published online. Forced entry into Maki's animal enclosure was discovered by police. They're at least stated. Yeah, he looks. He looks like he's he's high or something. Really yeah, that's, pondering about his life. Yeah, he's. Uh, hmm. President has, residents have been urged to contact local law enforcement immediately if the lemur is sighted. Tipsters should also be aware that Maki's location, as well as the description of anyone who has possession over him, will be requested by police. <laughs> it looks like he's tripping out. We understand that lemurs are adorable animals, but Maki is a highly endangered animal that requires special care. We are asking the public for help in his return, said Dr. Jen, uh, Jason Waters and Executive Vice President of the Animal Behavior and Wellness at San Francisco Zoological, uh, Zoological Society. As one of their oldest lemurs, Maki requires a specialized diet. Of the 19 lemurs here, at 21.5 years, he's exceeded the median life expectancy of 16.7 years, but is also one of the slowest, and we believe likely the easiest to catch. <laughs> he continued at the zoo's press release. Last October, a man stole a lemur from the San Anne Zoo in California. <laughs> was sentenced to three months in federal prison. And then there's, there's a follow-up. San Francisco Zoo offers now a $2,100 reward for the missing lemur. I don't think that's a fair price. Why? why? I wouldn't be motivated to, like, you know... I Like, if it was $21,000, I'll be out and about hunting for whoever caught the lemur. <laughs> But twenty one hundred? Yeah, it's not, that's not that much. Uh -uh. Yeah, twenty one hundred. That's like rent for one month. San Francisco Police Department has let safety cover the zoo's twenty one year old lemur Maki will be rewarded twenty one hundred dollars, which is an amount that was proposed proposedly picked to represent a hundred dollars for each and every year Maki has been alive. <laughs> So I'm assuming they still haven't found the lemur. After the, a thorough investigation yesterday by SF, F, SFPD, we feel our reward will hopefully help to generate some leads as this precious life is at stake, she added regarding the zoo's choice to issue the reward. He was discovered missing on Wednesday morning. Local police have reportedly arrived on the scene around 9.40 a.m. and deduced that Mackie was taken from the animal closure on Tuesday night. 
Yeah. He's still uh, at large. <laughs> mm. All right. Because he does not like apps. Not happy with the internet with the internet stuff. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I got Cop one. Search for two alligators stolen from Petstorm, Pennsylvania. Oh, I'll let you do that one first. There you go. Police are on the lookout for two American alligators that were stolen from a pet shop earlier this month. The theft, which reportedly took place at uh, Pierce's Pet Palace in Indiana County, PA, on August 8th, includes a six-foot female alligator and a four-foot male alligator, according to Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Representatives from Pierce's Pet Palace <laughs> did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. However, the owner at the shop, Mike Pierce, told Pittsburgh Post that the enclosed holding the two alligators had its 12 screws removed, a feat that makes him doubt the creatures simply just ran away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bummed, and I went back. I went want them back, he added. <laughs> I'm really bummed, and I want them back, he added. <laughs> Is that the pet store owner? Yes. Why do you have alligators? If they were going to a big place where people knew how to take care for them, I would be happy for them. But I fear that it is not the case. The alligators have lived their lives in captivity, so it is not clear if they'll be able to survive on their own. If they have been let loose into the wild, Pierce also worries that if they are in the thieves' custody, the two alligators may not be given a proper diet or health care. Pierce's Pet Palace is a family-owned establishment that sells reptiles, snakes, birds, insects, fish, small mammals, and pet care supplies. The two missing alligators were not for sale, Pierce told the Pittsburgh Post. This remains an active investigation as you continue to search for two stolen alligators. Clifford Greenfield, a public information officer, principals, Pennsylvania State Police, told Fox News. Okay, so it was like an exhibit or something that they were at. Yeah, because it wasn't for sale. Yeah. In a separate and unrelated incident more than 230 miles away, a Pennsylvania couple was arrested this past weekend over a canine-related theft from a pet store. Seven puppies were reportedly stolen from a pet shop named Puppies on Oak Street in Scranton, according to the local news outlet. The stolen puppies included a Siberian Husky, a Shiba Inu, a Labrador-Doodle uh, mix, and the seven puppies were total retail value of over $15,000. Puppies were returned to the shop eventually. <laughs> All right. Pet theft. Pet theft. Month. <laughs> All right, so I have one. A profanity filter banned the word bone at a paleontology conference. <laughs> Tom Scott did a great video on this on like why web filtering will never be perfect, basically. <laughs> I hate web filtering. Anyway, participants in a virtual paleontology meeting were not permitted to use the words bone, sexual, or hell in early digital QA sessions, sparking amusement and frustration from researchers attending the online conference. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology, SVP, opted to hold its annual meeting, which runs from Monday to Friday this week. I think it's last week. Maybe it is this week. I don't know. As a virtual <laughs> event. At the end of the presentations, attendees can ask written questions, but it quickly became apparent that some of the words and phrases, including many that are utterly ubiquitous in paleontology, were verboten. The platform that the virtual meeting used, provided by Convey Services, I guess that's the website, so instead of using like Zoom or something, they use this other thing, 
came with a prepackaged naughty word filter, explained Stephanie Drumheller, a paleontologist at the University of Tennessee and member of SVP, in an r slash ask science Reddit thread about the meeting on Wednesday. After getting a good belly laugh out of the way out of the way on the first day and some creative wording, my personal favorite was Heck Creek for Hell Creek. <laughs> some of us reached out to the business office and they've been unbanning words as we stumble across them. It takes a little time to filter from Twitter to the platform programmers, but it's getting slowly fixed. Convey Services was not immediately available for comment. Uh, Thomas R. Holtz, paleontologist from University of Maryland, created a spreadsheet of the banned words so that meeting organizers could keep up to date on the issues. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, hell, bone, ass, <laughs> fuka. fuka, jerk, knob, pubis, pubic, pubes, sexual, stroke, stream, wang, wang, dyke, sex, erection, ball, asses, iffy, crack, enlargement, fuck, obviously. <laughs> I love how they put in a request to have fuck fixed. And there's actually another, uh, there's another column in the spreadsheet on whether or not they they fixed it being banned, and on fuck it's checked off as they fixed it, so so they could say fuck now. Damn beaver, flange dinosaur, penetrate, <laughs> lie and crap. Why is dinosaur what? banned? As soon as we were alerted to this, we took steps to correct it. Said Emily Rayfield, the ungoing president of SVP, who kind of the virtual platform. I think they should just stop using the word filter for something that attracts scientific people. Uh, an assistant uh, curator uh, at University of California Museum of Paleontology noticed that the word Wang was banned, but not the word Johnson, and tweeted about it. At first, when fellow conference attendees noted, noticed, or noted on Twitter that hell and bone were banned, I was very amused by it. I figured the filter was simply overtuned to prevent many slang words used by school children. I became disturbed when I saw that the crowdsourced list of banned words included Wang, he continued. I personally know several vertebrate paleontologists that in, uh, by that surname. Didn't seem right, so I typed other synonymous slangs into the QA platform and realized the bias, which is what I tweeted about. Um, words like bone, pubic, and stream are frankly ridiculous to ban in a field where we regularly find pubic bones in streams. said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's great. Every time we play golf with friends, yeah. we always joke about the profanity filter. We try to. We, we always say not. Right yeah. I like PRNGs. What did they use as substitution? Calcium sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Those hard calcium sticks, you know, we find. But why are they using profanity filter for scientific conferences? Oh, they turned it off. They it was just some meeting software. They they just paid for some software to use oh. to do like the virtual convention or whatever. Yeah. And it came with a profanity filter. But they they turned it off, right? Well, they they contacted the company and had it fixed. I guess it's yeah, like Yeah, but fixing is different from No, they not using I mean they might not be able, maybe they can't turn it off. Uh, I don't know. It's like now at, at post pandemic after the pandemic, people are being more used to like censorship and the worst part of the, the the authoritarian side of the internet now. Like university students are having to prove that they're uh, they're 
a room environment is where they cannot cheat. So they have to hold a webcam and show the room around. Yeah. And they have to put the camera in front of their face while some guy being paid offshore is watching them take take them like online exams. Yeah, that blows my mind that there's like some person somewhere who's just like watching a bunch of webcams of people taking exams to make sure they don't cheat. Which first of all is like, there's so many ways around that. You could just loop a video of you taking a test into your webcam with OBS or something. I don't know. It just seems dumb. But, yeah. Or make the test open book. You know, open book tests are more... Well, challenges you to be more... <laughs> Marooski. <laughs> what, do you think you're going to have a calculator in your pocket throughout your life? What, you think you're just going to have access to information wherever you go? What the hell's wrong with you? I think you could just buy a calculator in a store. I want to say that Asian thing, but I just think that was too much. <laughs> no, I that didn't cross my mind. <laughs> anyway, um, you got something, Faye? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's do. That's fine. The U.S. military is testing augmented reality goggles on canines. Dog VR. That is a little scary. Because, like, they're probably trying to train them to be, like, aggressive, you know, military dogs. So they're going to, like, give images of, like, some... Racially biasy looking terrorist guy. Can we please just have health care? <laughs> it's not quite cyber dogs. <laughs> it's cyber dogs. They're much highly more important than human health care. Cyber dogs. But the U.S. Army Research Laboratory has demonstrated how custom fitting augmented reality goggles can help dogs find people during rescue operations or sniff out hazardous materials. Every military technology starts out like that to the public. It's like, oh, we'll use this drone to use find to like people who's lives. yeah who's trapped underneath this building from an earthquake. Bullshit. And it's like, oh, we'll use this robot to disarm bombs. Bullshit. You mount a turret and a gun on it. Da dun 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 dun. And it's gonna be a cyber dog. Cyber dog. Yeah, they have Boston Dynamics. They already have their cyber dog. Oh right. You could rent that from Cyber uh, Boston Dynamics. <clears throat> yeah, for like shows and stuff. Yeah. Just come riding in to a con with the Boston Dynamics thing. <laughs> I hope the combination of advanced technology and the powerful canine nose will help keep dogs, keepers, and the rest of us safer. One day robots such as Boston Dynamics, haha, <laughs> this is mentioned in here. Wow. I didn't read ahead. Infamous Spot the Dog may displace living animals from their many search and rescue and bomb sniffing roles, but for the moment, the canine nose far outperforms anything artificial. Combined with the four legged maneuverability of dogs, that, that all terrain four wheel drive. <laughs> that four legged maneuverability in dogs are hard to beat when it comes to finding someone trapped under rubble. Nevertheless, even the best boys and girls can't always tell their handlers what they have seen nor follow their most subtle instructions. Enter com uh, command site. 
It's called Command Site. I always thought that the Boston Dynamics robots are a good reason that you could actually make a reasonable uh, centaur fursuit at some point. Because with the algorithms that can use digigrade legs, assuming right. they get better. Of course, the robots but, don't move very gracefully. They're much would, more, you know, they, yeah. they don't move very smoothly. But, like, eventually you could have something that you can... get your back bent, like, at a 90-degree angle, and you just lay on top of the legs and then just arch your back up, and then there you go. <laughs> so you'd be laying on, like, a, like a planking thing, uh, I see, yeah, bend I see your back saying. at a 90-degree like, angle. Like a yoga. Yes. <laughs> like yoga position. <laughs> There you go. Uh, uh, no one would know. Or uh, apparently Varka bought a Boston Dynamics spot. I guess. Huh. Yeah, people don't realize that it's like most of this stuff is for military yeah. stuff. I okay. It's a side note thing. I hate how like a lot of military technology starts out with search and rescue, and I can't remember the last time military used it for actual search and rescue. I love mission. their website, the military website for this. Search up command site, S-I-G-H-T dot com. There is, like, nothing. Command site. Want to learn about what we're building? That's it? Sign up to get updates? That's literally nothing. It's wow. literally an email. What the fuck? It's such a bad... Hold on. Huh. Interesting, they have their CSS all on the same page, too. You're hacking a military website here. <laughs> no, it's it's commandsite.com. Not .gov. The top here. I don't know. It's, it's still dog-related. It's the same thing. It's like even SpaceX came out recently. It was just like, oh yeah, by the way, hi U.S. military. We can get a like a, a warhead to like any place on the planet within like, you know, an hour or two. And it was just like, oh, 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 I see. That was that was the plan. Okay. Enter Command Site, a company seeking to improve the communications between working animals and their human handlers. The Army Research Office, ARO, has announced the results of the trials of their dogs wearing the Command Site goggles, or doggies as they should be known. <laughs> the goggles allow handlers to see through the dog's eyes with the cameras transmitting what the searching pooch can see back to the handler. In the other direction, handlers can provide instructions to the dog by creating a visual cue, creating like directing the intrepid canine explorer where the handler wants to go. Dogs appear to find the instructions delivered in this way less confusing than audible commands. Without the need to look back at the hand signals, laser pointers are already used in similar purposes, rely on the dog remaining in the handler's line of sight. Augmented reality AR works differently for dogs than humans, command site founder Dr. Stephen Lee said in a statement, AR will be using... Because I thought dogs see at a different refresh rate than we do. Different <laughs> <laughs> refresh rate? <laughs> I don't think so, no. They do only have two they, cones instead of three, but... Because they can't watch TV like we can. What do they see? I don't think it's, it's not the same. I know it's not the same. Because of the color difference or the refresh no, rate? the refresh rate. I don't think that's... I don't think that's how that works. I don't know. Don't think that's how that works. I mean, if you're saying they're more sensitive to PWM than we are, but then I've, I could see that. I've seen dogs comprehend what's on the TV. And, like, 
Yeah, same thing. Cats do that all the time. Yeah. They can't comprehend what's on the TV, so it, I I think they can understand what's yeah, like on the un- TV. They can understand what's on the TV, but I don't think I swear it doesn't work as the same way. But it probably like f- maybe flickers on their eyes. They might like handle and track motion differently than we do, because we have the whole like what's called the two degree observer model, which is the human model of vision, and that probably doesn't apply to dogs. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's that crazily different. I don't know. Curious though, but refresh rate. <laughs> and and people are saying, oh, like a dog see things faster. Oh, so you're saying like, as in they have less persistence of vision? Again, that's going to depend on the type of TV because some displays rely on persistence of vision like the old crts used to work that way whereas like a lot of lcds um Mm. and depending on the display technology some of them do not rely on persistence of vision assuming the backlight doesn't flicker because that's the other problem some backlight dimming technologies flicker and some of them don't there's a special channel for dogs on hdtv called dog tv the channel has more frames per second than regular television and is specifically colored for a dog specific site since dogs can process visual inf- uh, information faster than humans can. That's why it's quite different from what we see. Why does it need to be colored differently? If it's the same like, color assuming as a TV, what it is in real life. Yeah, then. assuming the TV can mimic what it does in real life, which it probably can't, because I would assume that there's metamorism failure between a TV and a dog's eyes. There's a col- I know they don't see a certain color. So, okay, what that is, is they are missing a cone. So they have we, – we are tri-stimulus, whereas they are bi-stimulus. So the other problem that you run into is metamerism failure. And metamerism failure is that the red, the green, and the blue that your cones detect is not exactly the same as the red, the green, and the blue that are on your TV, which is also not the same as the red, the green, and the blue in your camera, um, which is why generally you're, – you're a sneezy cat. Anyway um, – so that's why uh, it can be really challenging to to calibrate all of that stuff. Um, and metamorism failure, the, the classic example of metamorism failure is if you put on what you think are, uh, are black socks um, and then you go outside and you realize that they're blue socks because of different lighting and different like spectral responses will make your eyes respond differently to the light. So I could see a dog seeing a tv differently than we would if a tv was attempting to mimic a real life photo they would see it differently because the tv is using tri-stimulus um red green and blue light to create to to trick our eyes into thinking we're seeing full vision because it's mimicking our eyes being tri-stimulus but a dog's eyes are bi-stimulus so it would work different Evolutionary adaption known as biocular vision allows the eyes of some mammals to move in the simultaneous directions also known as virgins when something is viewed up close, ocular convergence is promoted, seeing objects in the distance. On the other hand, promotes ocular divergence. Both canine eyes work together in the state known as fixation, where two different images come together to create depth of sensation, which is promoted by a bi- biocular overlap. Don't we have that, too? This comes into play when dogs watch television in that they realize the objects are not actually with them, but on some other plane altogether. It doesn't thwart their curiosity, however, but it also leads to complete fixations on the images on the television screen. Yeah, I can see that. The maximum field of view is only about 240 degrees, while animals of prey have nearly 360 degrees of view. 
Yeah, um, we only have two degree. This field of view possessed by dogs may immediately attract some breeds to a moving picture, but once they determine that there is nothing really happening, they will move quickly or lose interest. Yeah. Well, and most of the most of the CIE diagrams, which is the model of, of human vision, um, is, is based on a set of observer models that have been updated a few times throughout the years, but are based on human vision. So that's kind of the problem is that almost all of our technology, our cameras, our displays, our calibration methods are all based on those human vision models. Even printers and inks are based on human vision models uh, and trying to mimic human vision. Um, and the problem is... Uh, you know, they might see the same shape, you know. Like, that's the thing. I think if a cat looks at a TV, they probably see the shape of the cat and everything, but it's probably not the same color that it should be for them. Mm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, there's a whole list of uh, CIE color so space old models. old-style televisions that work from tube technology had the frame rate of 60 hertz, meaning that the frame freshes 60 times. Depending on the region. Per second, newer television models known as HDTV refresh at much faster rates. Depending on the model and the type of TV. Many images on a television screen appear stationary, stationary to humans as their rate of vision is slower than that of the television. Depending on whether it's backlit. At about 50 hertz, images would appear to the human eye to look like the images from a flipbook. So, like... Again, depending completely on the display technology. Some display technologies rely on persistence of vision, some don't. Depending on whether it's LCD or OLED or uh, I, CRT. I, hmm. So images would appear to humans like a flipbook. To look at the images from a flipbook. Dogs, on the other hand, get the flipbook images up to 75 hertz. So the images have to have a much higher refresh rate to appear fluid for a dog to view. Okay, I see what they're saying. I, there, the I think I get. It. I, I'm starting to get it because dogs are able to track faster objects. They're they would require higher frames per second to be fooled that it is not a real moving object in real life. So yeah, like a flipbook. So like you can yeah, see, yeah. Like you see these flashes yeah, of it. I, I'm getting it. Well, I think what it is is that. Humans are still sensitive to, right, there's that meme on the internet, right? The human eye can't see past 30 frames per second or whatever that, like, some video game company used. That's, like, a meme. The human eye, like, we can actually tell the difference between, like, 120 hertz and 240, for instance. Like, the human eye can tell. Like, but it's much easier to trick our eye into being satisfied with the fluidity of motion. Like in a movie at 24 frames per second we understand the motion. We can tell that it's at 24 frames per second, right? Just like you can tell if it's 30 or 60 hertz when you're playing a game. Yeah. But we're still satisfied with 24. Whereas I think what they're saying is a dog would not be satisfied with 24. It would be weird to them. Isn't 24 okay because of the motion blur that it usually comes with? That depends on the shutter angle. That, that has to do with, yeah, motion blur, yeah. Yeah, but depending on shutter. usually when things are shot in 24, it, it generally... Yeah, typically when you film something in 24 frames per second, you're using a 180 degree shutter, which means your exposure is half of the, half the time of the... What are new HDTVs now, 120 hertz? Depends on the technology, depends on the TV, depends on whether it's LED backlit or fluorescent backlit or micro OLED. LED backlit or OLED. It, it's all over the place, all over. 
and every TB model is completely that, that's like a spec that you actually can can look up, and and the refresh rate of the display is unrelated to um, how it handles motion blur as well. For instance, uh, uh, I have an OLED TV, and I actually drives me crazy watching. Uh, real 24 frame per second content because it's very stuttery because the TV has a very good response rate. Whereas LCDs are actually much easier to watch because they add their own motion blur. Uh, so I knew I was onto something though. Yeah. I, I remember I remember my facts, like strangely enough. Can I like we, my I like my TV, but I will never buy an OLED TV ever again. Can it's we such watch a that dog channel on YouTube and see what they're talking about? Um, I'll put it later. Okay. Yeah, originally 24 frames per second is just because film was expensive um, and everything like that. But So we wouldn't notice any difference on a dog channel because we could still see it. Well, and the yeah. dog channel is, I mean, they might have motion that's easy for TVs to interpolate to 120 hertz. Like if you have the motion smoothing, you know, op- option on your TV turned on. Dear God, don't turn that on. Um, but... There's no way that they would broadcast at faster than um, either 59.94 in the U.S. or 50 in most other regions because um, there there's no broadcast standard for faster than 60 right now. Unless you're talking about Rec 2020 or Rec 2100, which don't really exist right now in most places. I think Japan has a couple TV networks that are doing Rec 2020. But... Huh. Yeah, there there are broadcast standards for high frame rate and HDR and everything, but like in the U.S., we're supposed to get uh, what's called ATSC 3.0, uh, and I think in uh, Europe they're getting DVB plus. I want to say it's called. That's gonna have specs for that, but not yet. Because I think they want to do the Olympics in uh, HLG HDR and high frame rate at some point. But I don't know when they're. So basically, what for dogs to be able to see on TV would have to be a, what they're comparing 60 hertz to is frame rate from the old tube technology. So technically speaking, a dog would need to have uh, 75 frames per second to 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 accept. The, yeah. As a fluid. Yeah. Picture. Well, the other thing too is that we have an emotional response to different frame rates, right? So anime, for instance, is purposely low frame rate, but that's an aesthetic choice that communicates something to us that it's, it's kind of like art, right? When, when, when it's a cartoon, when you remove detail that has a artistic mm-hmm. response in our minds, whereas an animal might look at that and just get confused and be like, what the fuck? Mm. You know, I don't understand what's happening. There's not enough, you, you know, know, they don't, they don't see it as motion, right? Mm. Um, because, like, you know, when you watch an anime, there's storytelling involved. Whereas for a dog, they might just be like, why are these shapes moving weird? Though, I've seen dogs respond to 101 Dalmatians and get some, like, reaction from what the dogs are doing on TV. And yeah. sometimes they don't, they can't even hear things. But they still, it, it, they show some sort of emotional response to the dogs in 101 Dalmatians. It's not them responding to them howling because they don't. I don't think they really howl in the t- in the movie. They talk, but they still seem to have some sort of connection. So I don't think they just comprehend it as just shapes. But I think they still generally understand dr- some drawings that as resemble. 
I, I think what they, the artist tried to resemble. They know. I think what, what it, is, it is is they know what they're seeing. It probably doesn't look as accurate to real life as a TV does to us. Yeah. And the motion is probably weird. Yeah. It's probably because TVs are still those three different primary colors, mm-hmm. and one of those colors could be blocked out, or they don't see it. So. Yeah. It would not look like the same picture. It would be blocky or something well, like that. I think because our so we have we have three cones in our eyes for long, short or long, medium, and short wavelengths, right? Um they only have two, but I think they're positioned like they're sensitive to different wavelengths than our cones. Depending on the animal, probably depending on the dog breed and probably depending on a bunch of other things. So that's the other problem is like you know, and the other thing is, as TVs get better and better, they're emitting narrower and narrower wavelengths um, in order to get better color because... They can only discern blue and yellow. Well, yes, in terms of their vision model, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they would see on the TV. The TV probably looks even weirder. So, if it, if as the modern TVs get more narrow and narrow yeah. in their uh, the color spectrum... It increases the chance of metamorphism failure. Yeah, the metamorphism failure on dogs and other, you know, creatures yeah. with the same kind of cone. So if you only use blue and yellow to produce a dog's channel, yeah, would that be more high definition for them? No, because again, the you got to remember, color doesn't exist at all. It's just, it's it's like Frequency. it's it's literally like bass, you know, mids and treble, right? And we have. Just like a speaker puts out bass and trouble, we have the three different sensitivities, and we're respond. We're, we're there's a big chunk that's respond. You know, can sense these frequencies, and a big chunk that responds to these frequencies. And our brain interpolates all the color. That's why there are like those quote unquote non-existent colors, right? Like there's no wavelength for like purple. I think it is, but you can make purple by like mixing two colors. But it's like you guys have probably heard of those, right? The imaginary colors that like only exist in our brain or whatever. It's the same thing where the the wavelengths that are coming off of the TV, which are typically based on the spectral output of the backlight, are wavelengths that manage to trick our eyes into thinking we're seeing normal stuff. But in a dog, it's basically see it yellow, probably looks really fucked up. Yellow, blue, and gray. <laughs> they see colors in green and yellow and orange as yellowish, and they see violet and blue as just blue. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Maybe they should make just a separate TV and separate camera. Yeah, for you'd, dogs. You, you would have to make an entirely special TV for dogs to make it look correct. And different standards for like color uh, spectrum dogs standards. Dogs yeah, are yeah. not colorblind. That was like the previously. Yeah. People assume that dogs are colorblind. <laughs> what's the current standard called? P3? Or uh, what's the other one that. Uh, most TVs are targeting P3 now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Make 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 one called D three for dog, but three, and then, of course there's like CIE lab and there's all these. Because keep in mind too, right? Not only are cameras and TVs designed for the human visual system, mm-hmm. but all of our manipulation tools. Even when, like in in video editing, you often convert red, green, and blue to luminance and chrominance. Um, because it's easier to store video that way and it's easy to manipulate it and a lot of the algorithms work better. Even that is based on human vision because we're more sensitive to luminance than we are to color. And it's like so many things you don't even realize that we do. 
And it kind of makes me wonder, like, I feel like aliens are going to come to our planet and they're just going to have, like, to not understand our multimedia systems at all. Because they're entirely based on human sensations. Yeah. Keep in mind, your eyes are basically radio antennas, but just for a specific set of terahertz frequencies. Cool color spectrums for dog color spectrums. There's a human color spectrum. Yeah. Like, and there's pictures, like, converted how dogs would see stuff. Yeah. You search up the dog color spectrum. Oh, here it is. CIE Cam Zero... CIE Cam Zero Two is a human visual model that's based on, like, our sensitivities and our two degrees of vision and everything. But, yeah. Uh, Actually, instead... Um, we should move on. Learning um, about canines. There's a uh, quick video I want to shout out. I've talked about Captain Disillusion's YouTube channel before. Highly recommend. He actually has a video about color science, uh, and it's really, really cool. Um, highly recommend checking that out. If you just search Captain D Color, you'll find it on YouTube. So there's that. Anyway, shall we move on? I didn't finish the article. We sidetracked pretty hard. Yeah, that was a good sidetrack, though. Whoa, sorry. But see, I was right. <laughs> Not the refresh rate, but... Yeah, refresh rate's just a weird way of saying it. I know. I, yeah. I know that was the weird way of saying it, but I, I, I knew I had that fact stored in my head. I know that dogs don't see yeah. the same as like. Well, like people try to do that all the time, though. Like people are like, "Oh, the human eye has blank FPS." It's like, no, the human eye is very, very complicated, and has different ways of refreshing based on first of all where it is in your eye, among all our kinds of other motion handling tracking. But I thought we can't really process things past sixty frames per second. No. Okay, I game and I game fast FPS. Well, that's latency though, too. Um, latency, but because that could be missing oh. frames. Not I, so I much. see what you mean. I see what you mean. But I personally can d- tell the difference between 144 hertz and 120 hertz, and it's not a significant difference. But it's just you know the the emo- I get the emotional response from it. That little bit of jitteriness. I can't explain it because it's just... Anybody who says that the human eye is not sensitive above 60 is just trying to market you a shitty game console that can't handle frame rates higher than that. Straight up. That's what the meme came from. Is that some... I don't remember if it was Sony or who it was years ago was just like, well, the human eye can't see past 30 frames per second. And then it just became a meme. (laughs) Because people criticized them. They were like... What's the highest frames per second that a human eye can actually perceive? Um, because it, you also have to consider, it, like, when you say frames per second, there's also jitter. There's also, like, other stuff that when you're looking at something so that's digital, it, you have a Keep whole... in mind, field of view and angle matters. Imagine a giant-ass screen, right? That's your entire capability of turning your head, right? And then an object is going to go vroom, across the screen as, like, a test pattern. And you have to, like, track it. You probably would be able to see the difference of tons of different frame rates there because that's a large movement but sometimes when it's a small movement like on a mobile phone display you might not be as sensitive so that's the other problem is that eye movement is 
a very important part of our motion handling and our persistence of vision. But also, like, there's latency between, like, how things actually handle the process of 60 frames per second, where if you have that latency or a two millisecond, yeah. just like if we delay the mics a little bit. Yeah, that does get really fucked up. And you try to talk, that does something, it doesn't work. Like, mm. you, you know, you're not registering the same as when you're talking into it and hearing your voice back. The same with, like, if you're playing a game, if your refresh yeah. rate or something goes down, it's not the frames per second that's causing the issue. It's the fact that there's a jitter, which then would allow you, when you're visually seeing what you should do and what it actually does, that millisecond delay mm. then causes you to realize something's wrong. Yeah, but even again, like, the latency of your nervous system is very dependent on a lot of things. It's dependent on your tiredness. It's dependent on what it is, right? Like, um, the other thing oh, yeah, is... I, don't know. I know there's so many other factors. Well, you know that, like... If you touch a hot pan and you react, you actually react to that before the signal even got to your brain. And the way that that works is your nervous system actually has its own computational power to react to dangers like that faster than it actually takes your brain to figure out what's happening. I've heard that before. Yeah, there's a lot of... Human nervous system is very complicated, and it really can't be modeled with a straight-up number. It's just not possible. Oh, and the, um, speaking of which, sometimes, uh, like an old, you know, uh, projectors from 2012-2015, uh, as a high school kid, I remember, like, if I glance at a projector the certain way, I would see three colors. Yeah. Like, if I move my eyes really quickly, I would see three colors, but when I stare directly at it, I would just see clear white. I always wonder why that happens. Uh, it depends on the projector technology. Also, yeah. So like, there comes to a limit, though, that you know you don't need 300 frames per second for something because there's going to be know, a limit of that. It's not going to improve any kind of detail mm. to what you're seeing. I, I it de it's going to depend on the application. It de that's what it is. It it depends on, you know, um, what is involved. And, and even, like, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, studies online about, like, you know, does 240 hertz, like, improve your, your video gaming capability or something? And people were figuring, oh, it's going to improve your reaction time or something. Well, no, it turns out that, like, half of your ability to aim in a game is actually predictive analysis and me muscle memory of knowing what to do when and when to expect it. Uh, and so the way refresh rates play into that also is, is so yeah. TLDR depends on the application. Lastly, like if you look at frames per second for like high speed cameras, like it's something that we can't process on our own. So that's showing you frames per second. There is a limit to what humans can perceive. Yeah. And how yeah. fast something occurs. I'm sure there's a eventually you get to a point where yeah, like human can't perceive a difference, but I mean I wondered it about video qualities. Cause like two point six K, I do see I do notice the difference, but full on four K I can't really tell the difference between 2.6 and a 4. But I see how it can be handy as an editor. You know, yeah. you, you capture something at 4K and you you zoom into something, you you, you only crop out certain parts. I think we had this conversation. That the only, the, as you go up in 4K or 8K, the only purpose of that is literally if you can make it bigger without losing any kind of resolution, basically. Yeah, it has to do with the workflow more than it does you So you can shrink things down and see more, yeah. or you can expand things out and see more as well. Mm -hmm. But overall... It's still, there's a limitation of what you're seeing. It's, you, again, application-wise for that. IMO, and I'm not going to get into this because this is literally my passion, like my side hobby here. But 
Uh, my biggest thing is dynamic range, and that's why I'm really excited by HDR. I graded my first HDR video this week and published it on my YouTube channel. I was very proud. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> Back to dog vision. Back to dogs. Augmented reality works differently on dogs than it is for humans. Command Slate's founder, Dr. Stephen Lee, said in a statement, AR will be used to provide dogs with commands and cues. It's not for the dog to interact with like a human does. This new technology offers a critical tool to better communicate with military working dogs. Now cameras are generally placed on the dog's back, but by putting the cameras in goggles, the handler can see exactly what the dog sees. Lee added, having cameras in the dog's goggles rather than on the back also makes it for a lot more stable image. The prototype has been tested on Mater, uh, Lee's Rottweiler, while Mater looks exceptionally dashing in his doggles. Ha <laughs> Dog goggles. Doggles. Not that funny. Or not that clever, Mr. Lee. <laughs> Smaller dogs may expand the capacity to send back images from places humans cannot reach. We needed rat goggles next, you know? <laughs> The goggles, goggles. B goggles. The goggles are modified versions of the Rex specs, originally used to give service dogs eye protection under certain conditions, enhancing in confidence in their safety and comfort. Do you search up Rex specs? What is it? R E X specs. Rex specs. Dog goggles for the active dog. <laughs> <laughs> Would this work for fursuiters? Uh, you know how, like, snowboarding fursuiters have those goggles on? Yeah. There! There! I think these goggles would work for fursuiters. <laughs> I love dogs with goggles now. Anything <laughs> working, adventure. Oh my god. It actually would work for fursuits. I think it actually would work for fursuits. Holy shit. But I don't want to support a business that's entirely about military applications. That's for adventure. See, there's adventure and hunting. Oh, the lens wraps, the American. <laughs> yeah, this wow. is definitely like American kind of business where. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, it's cool, but it's. Huh. I like that one. <laughs> Just the sun goggles, Rex specs. Uh, that's actually really good. <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. Not what I expected. I actually think that'd actually really work on fursuiters. All right. Shall we size, do... Like there's like size and fitting. Shall we jump into our uh, break? I think we should. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Can you go back to that site real quick? Oh, no. Please. There's something that you have to pull up. The size comparison. Where? Size and fitting. Where? Oh. Where? Scroll down. Scroll down. <laughs> Search. Muzzle circumference and head circumference. How to size your dog? I'm already worried. Sizing is based on two measurements. The other measurement is taken between the eyes and the ears, and and is called the head circumference measurement. You can take these measurements with a flexible tape measure. If you don't have a flexible tape measure, you can use a string. Tuckerman measures 11 and a half to 12 inches. The dog is like, what the fuck are you doing? Here's how we get muzzle circumference measurement. And measures 20 inches for his head circumference measurement. Uh, this puts him at the top of the large and bottom of the extra large size range. And we always recommend sizing up if possible. It 
is typically more comfortable for the dog, offers better peripheral vision, and uh, the straps are really adjustable, so you can make that larger size fit. All right. So first hitters, um, you got some rec specs to get. Some rec specs. All right. Furcast is sponsored by TwinTailCreations.com. You can check out their website at TwinTailCreations.com. They have, they've been doing a lot of drops lately, by the way. I've been trying to retweet their drops. They make high-quality, durable, carefully made, and very pretty-looking adult toys for reasonable prices. They come in all kinds of uh, pretty colors and custom patterns. You can ask them to surprise you. Those are called the four science models. There's the Dante. Dante's my favorite. Uh, and uh, I love the way that one looks. It's so pretty. They're all so good-looking. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Twin Tails ships discreetly. They just say TTC LLC. Same thing with credit card transaction. Same thing. They ship internationally. The customs paperwork says silicone sculpture in it. Um, and a bunch of our fans have recently been getting them, so people have been talking about that. And uh, Twin Tails also has their own chat on Telegram, by the way, that you can join. I'm, I'm not sure how to find it, but um, maybe it's public? I'm not sure. It's SFW, which is... Strange. Interesting. Um, anyway... Uh, they're part of our community, though. They're in our chat, which is not SFW. Uh, well, it's it's SFW images, but we have a porn bot that you can chat with to send it porn and then share it with other people. Um, love is poured into every mold, though. Fans are encouraged to reach out with their experiences. Uh, and uh, pay, stay tuned to their Twitter, by the way, uh, on Twin Tails, because they do drops all the time, uh, which are products that they have available Um you know, products that didn't sell or kind of extra yields or whatever it is, they will take photos of them and they'll say, hey guys, here it comes, 30 minutes, drop. And then if you get it, it ships almost immediately um, because they are, they are backed up on custom orders right now, um, but the drops do ship very quickly. Uh, we also have coupon codes, which will get you up to 20% off uh, on the silicone products. They also have other stuff besides silicone products. They have um, like little cuffs and, um, well, they also have insertables, uh, and they also have the little dragon things, and they, they got lots of fun stuff on their website. Uh, but anyway, coupon codes, Red Wolf, or... Blue Fox. If you kink here. To save 20%. We're battling coupon codes, and apparently he's winning. So, just like the fact that there are a few Red Wolves, there are a few people using my coupon code. Oh, there's no law against uh, owning pencil or alligators in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. You can get them as uh, cheap as a hundred dollars. Want to go buy an alligator? Smuggle it across the New York New York border. <laughs> Where'd you get this alligator? Pennsylvania. Just let it loose in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, you guys are listening to Forecast Live on XBN. We'll be back after a quick music break, including our Patreon shoutouts, which have been updated. You're listening to Forecast. Support for Furcast comes from Patreon users, including Shaman the Photon Wizard, Dexy Wexy, Feon, Energize the Wolf, Sweetie Darling, Barnaby Fox, Strike the Circle, Frost Blaze, A New Fox, Omega Zai, Mullock the Generic Brown Wolf, Cypher the Heckmutt, X the Fox, Binary Paws, Zavarkin, Fire Lion Coyote, Trinity Ware Fox, Lord Head Cheese, Biohazard, Code Yaks, Fox Triple Seven, Fiasco, Red Eye the Rody Red Lion, Tukiri, 
Lieutenant Fox, Calypso Collie the Fluffy Trucker, Mellow Wolf, Rit the Otter, Doxy, Zoopy the Barcode Kitty, Archaeus the Tiny Tiger, Horse Code Hooves Up, Donut, Alta Shep, Meru Snowmew, D Otter, Ski Sharp, Nick Liz, Nerd Hoof, Zenair the Mutt, Frost Wogon, Jeb M16, Static the Scrap Goat, Taru the Yellow Nosed Doggo, Cronass, Jax the Husky, Fuzzy the Fox, No Name Horse, and Gaia Wellen. Additional support comes from social media Twitter users, Commander Wolf 3, Kazro Fox, Drop Table Foxes, Perp, House Tier, Anti Blue Fox, Onyx Fox 23, BBQ Skunk, Rivik Wolf, John Crescent, Kaz the Dreg, Wolvern 4, Nate Blueberry 13, Bell Platagon, Jared Tamana, Cyrus SL, Crossy on Twitter at XSSFox, The Other Commander Wolf on Twitter at ForWolf99, Reiner on Twitter at What's the Fuzz, Zelig on Twitter at Stealthy Dragon, Trashcat Danny on Twitter at Trash Danny, 12 on Twitter at The Lion Thing, Shua on Twitter at Pulsing Panther, Dakota Winter on Twitter at Dakota Wolf 12, Telegram user Sorcerer Dale, YouTube channel Joe G Bear, and the following websites: MacroWolf.com, Arihu.com, Hack13.me, Superdwarf with Anthrolinks.net, and Devin D Partlet with FurryHockeyLeague.com. Additional support for Furcast comes from Shisha Sheppy, who's a good boy. For head bases and 3D printed goods, commission Tar Paw Studios at Alice Tar on Telegram. Silver Moonshine, maker of fluffy tails. Fisk Games, the new furry YouTuber on the block. At Alec Gator 300 on Twitter, creating pixel arts and being a filthy hybrid since 2012. Tantru with World in Rue View, providing fandom news since 2015. Honorius, who says, one more cheese joke and someone's getting bored. Spurigs, one of the only Ethiopian wolf degenerates in all of furry land. Scar the Fur on YouTube, giving you bite-sized, detailed furry history. Kilo the Proto-Yote, who says Jesse is the best kitty. Cody Big Cat, with Cody's custom auto and truck accessories. Come see us today at 625 East 1st Street in Vidalia, Georgia, for all your auto accessory needs. Light and Shadow, the wolves keep furry possum. Patty, who says, what Socks says is true. Socks, who says, what Patty says is not true. A message from at Grundy the Goat. <clears throat> but I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. Vodka Taylor, who says, get your shit together, Taylor. Clean your room. Donran, munching those pizzas and writing those tunes. For an invite to the unofficial Furcast Minecraft server, message at Sashahina on Telegram. KobeCats.com, take a bite out of art. We know you're hungry, so come get your paws and maws on a delicious piece of burger-priced art. Ryko's Furry Fortune Telling, on Telegram, at ObsidianFox. SaucyFox, who says, I'm trash. Raccoons, HMU. Checkers the Dragon. Chess is my safe word. Fishmeister Cod, still not a furry since February 2011. Knightly at snouts.online, who says, 
I want to see this community grow beyond meets and conventions. Permanent furry commune. When? Max Shepard, who has been watching since the bacon felony. Neon Wuff, who says, Oreo is a very good boy. Little underscore Sunshine and Scootaloo with the unofficial XBN Xbox app at patreon.com slash horse apps. For cast's number one wimpy fan, Tyler the Wesky. Shaki, the maid lord of Nordic Fuzzcon. Visit the Maid Cafe at Nordic Fuzzcon in Sweden. Chris Tail on FA, specializing in Tuni art. The Church of Iswar, worshiping Lynx since the year Tuft. Rose Iron Husky, smell those sweet, sweet welds. Skycorp, creating transformative technologies for mature audiences at skycorp.global. Check out the SoCal Shepherd Show wherever you get your podcasts. Disc Cookie, creating procedural beatmaps for VR rhythm games. Karenos, who says, Circles are quite friendly and nice, actually. Tequin, TC Fox, and Kaiwana of the Infrasec Den in Wellington, New Zealand. At Equinox on Twitter, who says, Remember kids, neigh loudly, squeak often. Sylvan Scott, Grey Muzzle, Sorta Rider, and Tabletop Gamer. On Fur Affinity as Sylvan, with size-related stories and other speculative fiction. Shadowclaw Studios. Check out our Facebook page for links to our gaming streams. The Feline Support Alliance. A good kitty is a bitey kitty. Check it Airlines. We always land on our feet. Silver Gatoman at patreon.com slash silvergatoman. Cheetah Paws for a daily dose of bulgy arts. Support him at patreon.com slash cheetahpaws. And a very special, special thanks, thanks to Blaze Fusky and Decibel Fox. Support for Furcast comes through Patreon, PayPal, cash donations, and from listeners like you. To become a patron and learn more about supporting Furcast, visit furcast.fm support. This is XBN.
is XBN. This is XBN. We'll be back in one more track.
Well, I say we're back, but Pharaoh's still walking up the stairs over there, so. Almost here. Almost here. Almost. Almost. <sighs> anyway. What? It works. He's trying so hard. It worked. To make this Faraday cage. Alright. Let's see. Send the forecast live thing now. Um, what the heck are we doing? We do have one email that we can read, but I assume you have one or two more news articles that you want to do? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump into those now, then. I'll let you go. Big pile of live eels dumped in Lake in New York City's park. Impact not yet known. <laughs> impact. You could say the impact was a splash. If it's electric eel, then it'll be shocking. Uh... Andrew Orkin was taking a break by his evening jog to sit by Prospe uh, Prospect Park Lake when he turned around and was startled to see a, tr uh, a tangle of wriggling snakes. <laughs> okay. And quite a big pile, he added, fully alive, said Orkin, a music composer who lives near the Brooklyn Park. They turned out to be eels that had escaped from one or two large plastic bags that split open as a man dragged them to the shoreline. After dumping the eels in the lake, the man walked away explaining- What is the backstory here? <laughs> After dumping the eels in the lake, the man walked away explaining by who I said that I just want to save lives. <laughs> okay, as a vegetarian, wow. I can tell him that that's not how you do animal liberation. You don't buy animal to liberate him. That defeats the purpose. Turned out to be eels that had escaped from one or two large plastic bags that split open as a man dragged them to the shoreline. How big of these bags? I, I just dragging. I, I think it's like a huge garbage bag full of fucking eels. <laughs> There's just like a trail of them, like just down to the. <laughs> a detective comes by. Hmm, I wonder where these eels came yeah. from. And it's just Instead of a trail of breadcrumbs, there's a trail of eels. <laughs> trail of eels. After dumping all of the eels into the lake, the man walked away, explaining to bystanders that I just want to save lives. Okay. I mean, I had weird encounters like that I in the city before. Lives. Like this I'm one eel man. <laughs> I was walking down downtown Buffalo, and this man approaches me, like an old man in his sixties, and he's like, "Oh, probably gonna ask me like, oh, where's the where's the nearest bank or like nearest cafe or whatever." He asked me, he's like, "Did you get consent, or did you give consent to learn languages?" It's like. Uh, what do you mean? Like, like your parents forced you to learn language, a language, English language, and like this video, and like, but you never consented to it. You you learn so many terrible things because you know language. It's like, <laughs> okay, what are this guy's concerns? In the I world? don't know. He was like, um, and then he started blabbering other things like, 
okay, um, I gotta get going now. So I just went off. But like, you know, even a sane looking guy could do a lot of weird things in a city. <laughs> I feel like this is how you, yeah, rather we say in a chat, this is how you get a species invasion. <gasps> okay, that's a big eel. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Eels in a park lake and Hi, audience experts hope others and Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So the video autoplays, but when you mouse off of it, it mutes. Important message from this illegal activity. CBS 2's Jenna DeAngelis has the video. Yeah, Yo, you're not supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. <laughs> How else would the video start? Oh, God, I hate this stupid player. It's so bad. Yeah, you're not supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. That's the voice of Dominic Pabon approaching a man he says was throwing eels into Prospect eels? Park Lake Sunday night. He alerted the man. That's not legal. I'm saving the life. No, you're not. Saving life, they say. You're killing other life in here. No. Pabon fishes often, as he was doing with his wife when he first heard the commotion around 7.30 p.m. Out of nowhere, this lady was screaming, snakes, snakes. And I turned around, and I, I knew, because I fished, that it was eels, and they were all about, like, a foot, foot and a half. We also spoke to Andrew Orkin, who was running in the park when he witnessed a man in all white dumping the eels. The guy had two big black contractor bags. Oh, so you were, were right. Two big contracting bags full of eels. Of eels. How many do you think were there? Easily more than 100. And they were all alive. Um, so he started unpacking them into the water, and that's when we confronted him. My initial reaction was to stop it, you know, because I fished there and I've caught eels here and they're not native to the lake. Both men, concerned about the impact this could have on the 55 acre lake, called police. We don't need to call cops. No, man, this I is illegal what you're doing. They're an invasive species from further down the country. They may probably won't survive the winter, our, our colder winters. So, they, you know, that what they're doing basically is signing a death warrant to, to the animal. Says Marty Royce, wildlife and aquatic technician with the Prospect Park Alliance, explaining why introducing a non-native species into the lake is illegal. When you introduce a disease into the human body, that breaks down the whole native system. You introduce a, a, an invasive species here, that turns the whole table of the lake. It can change the whole being of the lake. The wildlife expert says the takeaway is if you ever have an animal you want to give up, you should bring it to an animal organization before ever bringing it here. In Prospect Park, Jenna DeAngelis, CBS 2 News. I, I feel like yeah. all of that was common sense. <laughs> Yo, dude, you can't dump eels here. <laughs> I just love how the video, the video starts. <laughs> I'm saving lives. It bothered me that a bunch of people in this video were wearing masks not over their noses. Like, uh, that's a common thing. Yeah. I, it's a lot of, I mean, if a reporter's in your face, it's probably not something you think about, but. I, I, if, if you're being, if you're going to be on camera every, no, in a reporting thing, yeah, I feel like, like you can take uh, the mask off. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, and sometimes for audio it just wise, slips so, sometimes off when they, you talk. Yeah, sometimes they also have the, the like, microphone, like, on a pole. <laughs> the funniest one yeah. was a Canadian reporter using a hockey stick. Yeah, yeah. On the end of a... Anyway. I just love how that video starts. Yo, you can't dump eels here, dude. Bro. Wait, can you try play the first? <laughs> that was so good. You can't dump eels. Yeah. Supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. <laughs> You're not supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. <laughs> Saving lives. It's like it's just. You're not supposed to be dumping eels here, dude. 
Anyway. <laughs> they turned out to be eels that escaped from one or two large contracts. So it was it says large plastic bags. I was thinking like, you know, like shop yeah. shopping bags yeah. at first. No, full on garbage bags full of eels that the man dragged to the side of the lake. <laughs> that split open as the man dragged into the shoreline after dumping the eels into the lake. The man walked away, explained advice, and I just want to save lives. The eels would at least have... So where did he get them? I don't... Oh, I don't, there's so many questions. <laughs> the illegal release light last month became a curiosity on social media, but the dumping of exotic animals in urban parks isn't new. The city, like, a, like I'm all for like anti-animal abuse. But, like, who wakes up in the morning and is like, I gotta save the eels? <laughs> Non-native birds, turtles, fish, and lizards have settled into and often disturbed local ecosystems. New York's New Yorkers free thousands of non-native animals every year. Many of them abandoned pets. That quickly die, but others can survive, reproduce, and end up causing a loss, lasting harm. Yeah, that's the other issue with that. People like animals, and they sometimes think that they're doing a good thing by letting them go, said Jason Mushi, South Urban Ecologist at the Forham University. Most will just die. <laughs> Some will become a problem, and then there is also no going back. New York State and city officials say that it's too soon to know how the eels in Prospect Park might affect the local species, but based on the photos taken by bystanders, officials identified them as swamp eels native to Southeast Asia, like those that have been in found at least eight states. Asian eels are invading. <laughs> Asian carps are invading, which is very harmful. Once introduced after... Do Asian eels eat Asian carps? I don't know. We're fixing it! <laughs> Often to be purchased at local fish markers, officials say that the eels eat almost anything, including plants, insects, crustaceans, frogs, turtles, and other fish. They could also play upon or, com or complete compete with the park's native species for however long they survive, said Katrina Toll, Deputy Director of New York City Department of Parks and Regulation Unit, U Wildlife Unit. There are also no plans to eradicate the eels since they're nocturnal and spend most of their time buried in the sediments of the lakes, rivers, and marshes. Spotting and removing them from the lake could be almost impossible at this point. This kind of species is a little tricky. They're well hidden, Toll said. We're not going to go out there and try to nab or trap any of them. Without having witnesses, without having witnesses witnessed the release, officials from New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, which is investigating the institute, could not specify the number of eels released last month. Bison described seeing more than 100 of them. DEC officials said they will look for the swamp eels during the agency's next survey in the spring, but don't expect them to make it through winter. However, said the University of Toronto freshwater ecologist Nicholas Mandrake, even if they don't survive, they could have a negative short-term effects. Impacts. Oh, sorry. Muted the wrong mic, sir. They could have negative short-term impacts. If some Prospect Park transplants live a few years, climate change could easily warm up the waters enough to render the hospital for swamp eels, Magic said. We shouldn't come to an immediate conclusion that because they're found in Asia, they couldn't survive in New York City, he said. The exact species previously has shown up. <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> Do you need your, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have COVID. <laughs> The exact species previously has shown up in western New York states, Hemlock and Candace Lakes in 2019, and Queens Meadow Lake in 2017. Elsewhere, biologists have found Asian swamp eels in waterways in Hawaii, Georgia, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, Florida, and Pennsylvania. 
1890, Shakespeare's enthusiasts released a flock of about 60 European starlings in Central Park that grew into a current population of hundreds of millions nationwide. That outcompete native birds, destroy crops, and occasionally snare jet engines. For decades, pet red-eared slider turtles have been abandoned in city ponds, creating a major nuisance that has crowded out local painted turtles and fueled green algae blooms. Voracious sharp-toothed northern snake, uh, snakehead, uh, snakehead fish, introduced by the way of pet stores, live food markets, and aquarium hobbyists across the U.S., have been spotted in New York's Harlem Mirror and Flushing Meadows Corona Park. And descendants of the escaped released monk uh, parakeets and Italian wall lizards are scattered across the city's burrows. The eels are just the latest episode. This unusual, <laughs> eye-catching story told said about something that happens more often than not. People release un more than one un unwanted pet. There you go. Yeah, see, I'm allergic to cats, and now you're you're allergic to fur cast. I'm allergic to myself. Oh, there's the siren in our town going off. Yeah. It does Apparently that. there is a bunch of screaming outside and then fireworks going off. Oh, really? I was like, oh, we didn't hear anything of that upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're kind of in like a sound, almost sound-treated room. And that window leaks a little bit, but yeah, you can kind of hear the siren. Yeah, there it is. Like if I... Yeah. They uh they use the siren in our town for the volunteer firefighters, so it goes off like several times a day. You know what pisses me off? There's one town up north that I work up there all the time, get a couple clients, and they do a noon siren. So every day at noon, their fire department, the siren goes, Room! but it's off by two minutes, and it's like, hi. You have a giant, loud siren. Set it to the right time. I thought you fixed it. No, that was a different one. Oh, well. I fixed the bell tower in a I should a call school. you Kronos. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, ended up in, I ended up in this one school that had a bell tower, and I knew throughout, like, living in that area that their bell tower was wrong. So when I was on their network, I fucking... <laughs> IP scanned their entire network until I found like a simplex time unit and then I uh, found the default admin password, logged in, and realized that the DNS was set incorrectly, so I fixed the DNS so that it could sync with the NTP server and then it did, and now in my town the bell clock tower is fucking correct. I literally, I was not, that's not what I was there to do. I was there to like fix a machine in a computer lab or something, but I literally hacked their bell tower and fixed it because I'm like god damn it, it's the wrong time! <sighs> I don't have access to the siren, though, so I can't fix it. A new swine acute diarrhea syndrome uh, COVID virus has been replicated in human viruses, so we have another coronavirus. What? A like avian version of the coronavirus? Tur no, swine flu. Oh. Corona flyrus! Ah! Term G4. It's called SADS COVID. <laughs> SAD. SADS COVID. SADS COVID. I'm waiting for a version called Fucked COVID. Was 2020 not depressing enough for you? Here you go. Now you can get SADS COVID. <laughs> Symptoms. Depression. It's acute diarrhea syndrome. 
the spread from pigs to humans. So we got another virus to look forward to. Well, stop eating. It hasn't pigs. been transferred from humans to humans yet, though. So. Mm. Yeah, good. But st- not eating pigs would be a start yet. <laughs> People are freaking out over the, the belt sort of thing. Yeah, no, I was, I was just in that client, and I was scanning their network to find a switch, I think, and then like the simplex time unit showed up, um, like the, like the master clock unit that's like the NTP host for the whole system. And I was just like, huh. And then I like pulled up the admin panel, uh, or I SSH'd into it or whatever, and it was like, username. And I'm like, admin, password. I'm like, shit. So I went and Googled the model number, and I found the default admin password. It was password. And then I uh, logged into it and then fixed it. So now the time is correct. Do you know any furry named Kronos? I, I feel like I know furries be... that work for a company named Kronos. Oh. I feel like it would be a very common name. You'd think. Yeah, sure. fun fun fact, Kronos Camera, the high-speed camera company, is mostly... Well, at least at the time, it was mostly furries. I don't know <coughs> if it's still furries. It's fine. I don't, I don't know if it's still furries, though. <coughs> I know there were a bunch who worked there, but it might might not be still. Put another article for someone else to read. The Halloween house fire. Why don't you read it, Mariski? Okay. Is it in the docs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the top. You have access to the doc? Yeah. On your iPad? Pop. COVID, swine flu, bird flu, and mad cow disease all combined. I mean, that's a little impossible because mad cow Don't disease... Don't say that. It's 2020. <laughs> Don't say that. Mad cow disease is a protein. <laughs> I don't care what 2020 can just offer. Oh, Halloween house fire. Okay. How the heck do you have your pastor as pastor in production? Because it's an industrial control unit, dude. It's, it's like a rack mount box that is the master clock. There's like a GPS, or there's supposed to be like a GPS receiver in it, and then it spits out some protocol that all the clocks in the building and everything sync to, and uh, I, I I don't know. It's if, if you're surprised that the password for a piece of industrial control machinery is password, then I've got news for you. <laughs> Just wait till you start your first IT job. It's not always password, though. Okay. The default, the default Konica Minolta password is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have a real quick article, and then Ruiz can go. Does okay. this one sold fast? <laughs> All right. Massachusetts coastal town orders the locals to stop calling nine one one about a giant fish. All right. The fish, a whopper of a creature, has attracted dozens of emergency calls since Monday from locals mistaking it for a shark or seal, according to the Cape Code Times. It's, the, it's an ocean sunfish, formerly known as the genus Mola, or Mola Mola. The ocean sunfish can grow up to nearly 10 feet in length and weighing more at 4,400 pounds. <laughs> I think there was a sunfish in Mario. Was it's there? like a big flat fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sightings of the monstrous size swimmer began popping up in Wareham's Broad Cove, and enough locals calling 911 to eventually warrant personnel from the Wareham Department of Natural Resources to go take a look. Their verdict, as reported on Facebook, the sunfish is doing normal sunfish activities. <laughs> it's swimming. It is not stranded or suffering. The sunfish is fine. Please stop calling the police department about this damn sunfish. Wow. <laughs> I just love the fact that it's... Samuel Ronan says, Oh, you should see what the default password on barracks boxes is. 
You're joking, right? Good one. I just love the sunfish is doing normal sunfish activities. <laughs> it's swimming. <laughs> it's not stranded or suffering. The sunfish is fine. Stop calling the police about the damn sunfish. Okay. <laughs> like, you can see how big it, like, that thing. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> All right. Um... There you go, Maruski, now. Maruski, you're up, yeah. Okay. California home is now the hottest thing in Halloween decorating. Carmen, I mean, is it hot because of like climate there's, change? There's or? a video for it, and it's pretty fucking amazing. Like, what video for what? That article. All right, I'll pull it up. Carmen and Travis Long's uh, Travis Long's fake house fire in their Pirates and Caribbean holiday display is so realistic that people keep calling 911. ABC World News now reported. Fuck. Sorry. Fire. Sorry. Is it? Firefighters who responded to the Riverside residents That's were so it. impressed for the down the article. Oh. Uh, so impressed Oops. with the fake blaze that they high-fived Travis Long and told him great job according to Carmen Long. Now hundreds visit the house nightly for the fun of it. LA affiliate KABC noted. The fi family has taken to alerting the authorities when they turn on the fire effect. In California, they're doing this uh a ridiculous ABC uh, reporter asked, presumably referring to real fires that have burned millions of acres in the state this year. Carmen Long said they uh, that the COVID-19 pandemic, the family is glad to bring a little bit of Halloween joy this uh, for everyone. Hands this year, <laughs> they're going the extra mile to decorate their houses for the holiday, and one Riverside home is seriously delivering. In fact, it scared neighbors so much that they called the fire department. Eyewitness News reporter Leanne Sitter oh, is live go. at the house. Here Leanne, we go. it looks pretty spooky. It is so realistic, I can't begin to tell you. I, I mean, it, it just looks like sheets blowing with a fan underneath and then orange light, but okay. It is no surprise that uh, you can certainly understand why passerbys would think that this home here is on fire. The family here creating a red hot Halloween show. A raging inferno oh, in that Riverside. Would be oh, if you were driving by, though. Flames ripping through this home, but this fire is all fun. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I feel like I'm at Disneyland. <laughs> it looks awesome. I can't believe it. It looks realistic. To say Carmen and Travis Long love Halloween is an understatement. They began creating their Pirates of Caribbean oh my God. three years Look. ago. And we've been it looks like Donnie Darko's house. Adding things every year. It started with just skeletons, then we added a cannon in the back, and the ship, the pretend fire on the I want to see the whole house. The fake flames, Don't though, pause. sealing the show. It was kind of scary at first, because it looks like a real fire. It's also really cool. Thanks, little oh, girl. It's amazing. The fire looks realistic. We heard that they called the fire department several times, too, so... Yeah, it's awesome. The make-believe blaze so real, passerbys have called the fire department numerous times. We had a hook and ladder here, another big truck here on the side. Initially, they thought it was a real fire. They got out of the trucks. Then they walked around, gave my husband a high five and said, great job, it looks so good. <laughs> you can see the creative show every Friday through Sunday from 7 to 9 at the corner of Chapman and Magnolia. Three to 400 people turning out every night. 
The family thrilled to share their fiery fun with the community. Honestly, we're just happy that, uh, especially right now with COVID and everything going on, that we could help bring a little bit of Halloween joy for everyone. So at least get them out of the house and get them to see something new. Neat. That's cool. <laughs> well, there you go. I just love the newscasters. Like, seriously, though, in California, they chose to do this kind of theme. Yeah, show. I was going to say, that's a little on the nose. I guess it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. There's the onion one. The Facebook and the onion. Oh, the Facebook one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> onion one? That was the onion. The news source. No, not the news source. No, not, not the news source yeah. onion. That's the other thing. Uh, do we want to do uh, an email? Or there's only one email, but we could do that. Sure. Sure. All right. We'll do that. I think we're all good on news. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, that means it is time for me to click the email button. And then switch to the other tab. Uh, camera advice. Hello, <laughs> Furcast Ziggy here. I like the name Ziggy. It's a good name. This is more for Paradox since he is the camera guy. I am. Okay. So I um, have been getting really into video editing and special effects to film most of the stuff. I have been using a crappy generic video camera, which worked until it didn't. I just wanted to ask, what video camera would you recommend for filming... Also, although I know a lot of video editing slash VFX YouTubers, like the Corridor crew, I don't want any film YouTubers. Who would you recommend? Love the show. Can't wait to see more. Your stabby boy, Ziggy. Oops, forgot to add I'm a deer. That's what stabby boy means. I guess because of the antlers? Yeah. Also, listen to your episode about top deers, and I'm here to prove that they do exist. I am one of them. Lie. <laughs> Lies. Anyway. Um... Like with most things, it's going to depend on what you're doing. Um, I will say in terms of usability, price, flexibility, I am a huge fan of the Lumix Micro Four Thirds cameras. I mean, I've got all kinds of cameras. Um, but if you want to get into, like, different lenses for filming stuff, um, you know, relatively good dynamic range, something that isn't like a shitty camcorder, something that maybe gives you log profiles, um, I would recommend maybe like a G85. Um, which is the one you have, actually? No, I have G8. You have the G8? Yeah. What? Yeah, G... Do I have G85? No, you have the G85. Oh, I'm thinking of the GH5, sorry. Yeah, the GH5. So our main camera is a GH5, and then the camera that's on me right now is actually a G7, which is the previous version of the G85. Um, they're nice. They've also got sensor stabilization. Now, obviously, you could go for a bigger sensor camera, uh, but then the price is going to skyrocket, and in terms of, other than the lens optics, uh, image quality doesn't I mean, in terms of dynamic range, it doesn't improve that much. Obviously, maybe better low light. So, again, it really depends on what you're doing. Can I give a um, personal review of G85? Uh, in, a, in a sec. Okay. The other thing I was going to say is on YouTube, um, I don't really know any, like, film YouTubers. There's a lot of camera review YouTubers. Uh, my favorites are probably Gerald Undone and DP Review um, are probably the best. Um, B&H Photo's got a good YouTube channel. Um, yeah, there's tons of camera review YouTube channels. There's a lot of those. Um... Yeah, it really depends on, on what your goal is with it. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, generally when you say the term filmmaking, I assume that you want the ability to change the lens. Um, and so for that reason, I would, I'd probably shoot for something micro four thirds just because the price is reasonable and what you get out of it is reasonable. Mm. I wish we used all of our lighting, like people that we know and everything like that to make an amazing Halloween house. I'd love to be that house that makes it on the news because we're just like put so yeah. much effort for like a two week long. Oh, Ziggy joined chat. Um, we'll just pay fizz. Um, if you want a full frame and you aren't sure, you could get a used full frame camera. There are good deals on those. Um, but I mean, even a lot of movies are shot on Super Thirty Five, so. Um, should have specified camera YouTubers. Okay, yeah. Then DP Review is probably my favorite. Um, oh, is he on chat, like, interacting with me? Yeah, he's in chat right now. Oh, yeah. What do you plan on filming? Yeah, what kind of stuff do you plan on filming? Because that's really going to affect a lot of it. Yeah, because, like, well, if you're... Is it most filming now done with the D um, DSLRs? No. Well, DSLRs are kind of dying right now. It's uh, mirrorless cameras. Mirrorless cameras. That's yeah, right. and, and the G85 is a mirrorless camera. Like, we're not using, like, there's not the camcorder like there used to be. Like No, there's still camcorders. Um, it really depends on workflow. So, for instance, uh, an, an ENG or an electronic news gathering camera is going to be very different than, like, an interchangeable lens camera based on, like, whether you have a crew, whether somebody's pulling focus, how big it is, the form factor, battery life, um, durability, all that. Um Full frame is great for photos, but for video, if anything, full frame is actually kind of annoying. Um, plus, uh, <clears throat> the the other thing, this is me getting into my shit. Um, when a sensor is in electronic shutter mode, it does not have as good of dynamic range as when it's in mechanical shutter mode. And a lot of the full frame cameras actually don't have that much, like compared to the raw photos, they actually don't have that great of video dynamic range. Yeah, how many cameras did you test out in the studio? I mean, I have tons of cameras. <laughs> mm. uh, Fujifilm is decent if you like their image profiles. I personally don't. Um, I'm really happy with the standard mode on the Panasonics. I mean, obviously you can get log or raw out of the camera, in which case all bets are off, but... Um, Did he mention what he plans on filming it with? Not yet. Okay. Waiting for that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, this shot right here is Micro Four Thirds. So, and so is this one. And so is this one. Uh, this one is Super 35. Why am I the one who's getting the fancy camera? I don't know. I look bluer in that shot. Yeah, I gotta correct a lot on that camera. There's my just... skin tone is like greenish blue. Yeah. I can't tell. I'll fix it. That camera's running in log mode, that's why. Yeah. <sighs> so my review of GH five uh, sorry, not G eighty five. By the way, it's the G eighty in Europe and it's the G eighty five in North America. There's two different models. Uh, now, the firmware, there's some tricks to get it into NTSC or PAL mode. So no matter what frame rate you want to do, you, you should be able to do it. Um, like if you want to do 59.94 or 23.976, you can you can trick it into those modes. Anyway. Anyway. Um, it's a good sturdy camera. The, I, uh, the difference between G7 
is predecessor, or sorry, is um, yeah, predecessor. And G eighty five is that G eighty five has the IBIS sensor in body the image stabilization, image stabilization, and Panasonic's is very good. And it has helped me a lot because I'm a pretty newbie photographer, if I can call myself that. And it has saved my ass a lot. G, uh, the smaller lens, uh, not lens size, the frame sensor size can make you prone in low light environment, but you can compensate by using longer exposure, but that would result in you know, shaky, shaky yeah. uh, footages. However, because G85 has a, such a good IBIS, sense, uh, IBIS uh, system, and their um, de- uh, their default lenses come with the lens stabilization, mm-hmm. it really hasn't been any a big of a concern for me the past few months that I've been using. I've used it in like midnight uh, at downtown in downtown Buffalo when there were pro- protests going on. Faye was there. I took photos of Faye with that camera too. It was fun, and all the photos were pretty crisp uh, and wasn't that noisy. Mm-hmm. And hmm, I guess it takes good photos. I never thought it was like, you know, terrible in any aspect. And I think it takes yeah. just as good photos as some of your full frame cameras. Yeah. But in, you know, I'm limited in a lot of ways, but I don't, even if I had a fancy camera, I wouldn't know what to do with it because of my lack of experiences so my yeah. filter has been and the full frame cameras are bigger and heavier and oh yeah and it's yeah. been very nimble i i've been in been to many places it's been my travel camera it's a camera that i used to take photos with my friends it's also pretty rugged and uh, weatherproof so you can pour water on it and it will still live as long as you uh, put all the you know sd card cap on it yeah and other things so it's been a pretty good adventurous camera. I um, got no complaint. But if you're just trying to use it for indoor settings and you want to save cost, then what Paradox is using for his shot, the G7. Yeah, yeah I, I'm using the earlier version. Fine. Yeah, those ones don't have sensor stabilization, but I mean, it's a locked off shot. So yeah. um, the other thing is you get such a good deal out of the Micro Four Thirds because the sensors are lower resolution, which is actually better for video because it's closer to your final output. So there's less processing that the camera has to do, so you don't get any artifacts and moray and noise patterns and stuff. Um, Whereas some of the full-frame cameras, like if you have, let's say, a 50-megapixel camera, a lot of times when you run like 4K video, the camera overheats because it's just trying to deal too much. Um, The sensor stabilization also doesn't work as good on the bigger sensors. Again... Bigger sensor, it usually is a better optical design, but then your lens is this fucking huge. So, um, it's you know, it's all it's all physical physics trade offs at that point. But, oh, and G eighty five was a really good run and gun. Yeah, it's a very fast camera. It's very like the firmware on it loads, turns on very quickly, yeah. loads very quickly. Yeah, that's how I preserve the battery usually. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, that's why I like these because they don't overheat. I used to use full frame cameras in the studio and they would overheat all the time because they're really, a lot of photography cameras are not meant to run continuous video. Um, and so they would <laughs> freak out. But yeah. 
Um, and as somebody who owns a full-frame Nikon camera, several Micro Four Thirds cameras, and a C200 cinema camera, I would still say the GH5 is probably my favorite camera I've ever used. And I've owned Canon, Nikon, like all of them. You know, for photography, yeah, the full-frame Nikon's better. But in terms of video, nothing, GH5 is amazing. Super nice to use. Um, actually, speaking of which, DP Review, the YouTube channel, it's kind of funny. They review like $10,000, $20,000 cameras all the time. And they'll like test those cameras out. But then when they actually like walk around and film and like talk about it, they just use a GH5 because <laughs> it's lightweight <laughs> and they have to walk around with it. So they're like, eh. Um, yeah, some people really like Fuji stuff. Um, Fuji's got an interesting lineup. Anyway, all right. That's good. Uh, what's what? RTX Voice VSTS? Do you know anything? RTX Voice VSTs? Um, that's that new uh, like AI-powered noise removal mm -hmm. thing. Um, you can get a VST version of that, which you can use in like audio editing software. Uh, so instead of having to use their program, you can actually integrate it with your workflow. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I have no reason to use it, though. Because you have noise gate? Or no, just I just don't that. want a noise reduction algorithm running. That's annoying. Mm. I, you know. Uh, all right. <laughs> Ziggy says, I'm really trying to listen right now, but my Wi-Fi is bad. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what other, like, filmmaker YouTubes there are. Indie Mogul's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I know a lot of YouTube channels for, like, editing and color stuff and camera, like, reviews, but not filmmaking. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Um, anything else anybody wants to talk about? That was it. We just had the one email. No, I think that's about it. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just typing something in chat. Still gonna climb into the sewer drain and put the it thing down there. The creepy clown and put a red balloon. There's actually a newer version of the G85. I think it's a G95. I don't remember. Um, but I think it was like a super like incremental upgrade. <sighs> all right. Uh, I think we are all set to call it a night. All right. I've been your host, Paradox Red Wolf. It's been a wrap. It's been a wrap. Well, not yet. We have not post show yet. But... Yeah. I've been your fabulous Blue Fox host, Favreau. And I've been your... Crafting host. Faraday cage. Faraday cat. Faraday. Uh, tinfoil hat making Maruski. <laughs> Way to brand yourself. Very cat like. It is very cat. Making tinfoil hat? Just fiddling. Doing, fiddling. Yes, I do have a bad, pretty bad problem with fiddling. 
Isn't that like a thing you can do with cats? That you just ball up tinfoil and they'll like bap it around? <laughs> yes. That's what you're doing right now. $20 toy doesn't even pay any attention to it. Box nope. for the $20 toy? Golden. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do cat plays with? Uh, play with, like. Uh... What? Nothing. Okay. He's talking anyway, to himself about cat talking stuff. To himself. All right. Good night, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.